is that men don't want a generic vision of being a good man, whatever that is, flat, passionless, drowning in responsibility. What they want is what they want is to be good at being a man, which means they have mastered the core elements of masculinity. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. So today on The Kindling Fire, I have John Tyson on the show. Thank you for coming on, John. Mate, it is an honor to be uh, here and talk about something that I'm super passionate about. So he's a lead pastor of Church in the City right in the heart of New York. Are you in Manhattan? We are in Manhattan, yes. Pre-COVID, we're in three locations. We're just uh, opening up with one right now. We're in a, the neighborhood called Hell's Kitchen, which is Midtown West. Well, you have a church in Hell's Kitchen. That's just epic. Yes. Well, it's hard, but it's glorious. <laughs> no, but that, that's just, that's, I mean, amen. That's, that, that's, uh, that's a good place for a church. So, um, so you are a very prolific author, a thought leader in a lot of ways to a lot of, uh, a lot of folks in, in Christendom. And some of the uh, works that you've written is The Sacred Roots of Creative Minority, and the burden is light, which I love. Thank Jesus, it's the burden is light, even though sometimes we don't realize that. Yes. And uh, but we're going to be talking, uh, at least initially, about the primal path, which I'm really excited about, uh, which is really helping dads mentor and father—that's a better word—father um, their sons into becoming men. Yes. And uh, and so let's just like jump right in if there's any did i miss anything before we we jump into kind of the content is there anything oh you're you have kids you have you're married so tell us a little bit about that yes i've been married for 23 years to my college sweetheart christy i met her the first day of campus orientation we've been married 23 years 17 glorious years two years of hell three not bad years is how i would describe the marriage um we're in a very good season we just dropped our daughter off at college two days ago so Ooh. we are now empty nesters which is amazing so i have a son who's 21 he's at uh, university of the nations in kona hawaii and uh, my daughter's at lee university studying nursing and i've lived in uh, new york for the last 16 years i moved there in 2005 to plant a church and have been there ever since and think that god willing that's probably our long-term assignment we love it there we're thriving there and um yeah so yeah i'm an author and a pastor and um i love I love helping people follow Jesus with passion. I love seeing them come alive. I yeah. love seeing them, you know, live with authority and find the joy of stewarding the kingdom of God at this time of history. Amen. So University of the Nations, we just left there. I just left everything. It was why we missionary in Kona uh, with my family, with teenagers, uh, like two and a half years ago. I just came. Okay, gotcha. So uh, I'm so excited. What is he doing at DTS out there? Is he in the school or? He's doing the he's doing the University of the Nations degree, whatever okay. that is. So um, he did he did the World Race. He did a gap year at the World Race. Loved it. Yeah. Um, he's been at Moody Bible Institute. Loved it. But he's got that 
missions edge to him. He's got that radical all in that doesn't fit in a traditional American church. Right. And uh, so he's going, yeah, he's doing a DTS um, and then he's doing uh, what a school of biblical studies and then whatever classes are required to graduate with that degree. So. Yeah. Uh, well, he's going to be around some legends, legends. Yes. And uh, the, the last speaking event I did before COVID was I spoke at um, University of the Nation. So I was up there in Kona and then got there on Monday. And then by Thursday, I was changing my flight. And then that Sunday, the whole world shut down. So oh my fun, God. Fun, fun memories my my last place of travel pre-COVID. oh that's so cool yeah and seth barnes is a friend of mine so okay, gotcha. yeah so with the world race so he's yes, uh, okay. yeah so he's that's that's good man that's that's small world all right so let's yeah. let's jump in i'm so i'm so excited about um the passion that kind of led to this project and i want to kick off the primal path i want to kick off first um, for my listeners to kind of, in reading through the material, one of the things that I saw that you said, you researched a lot of books uh, mm-hmm. where you felt like there was a gap in really helping lay out a path for young men to move into, into uh, manhood. Can, before we jump into what the primal path is, tell us a little bit about the research. Like, what were you looking at? What kind of books? Because there's a lot out there. And, and we just talked about yeah. that. So this, this all started when my, when my, on the day we found out I was having a boy. So I realized I don't have the tools I need from my background and my history to turn this kid into a godly man. I just don't possess it. And I was what I called determined, but overwhelmed. And that is my core audience. If you're not determined, this will be too hard for you. If you're not overwhelmed, God bless you. Keep going. Way to go. (laughs) If you are, if if you are determined, but you're overwhelmed, this is, this is who this is written for. It's a particular kind of dad. So some with, Someone with resolve. So anyway, I was that determined but overwhelmed dad. And I basically, so James Hollis, uh, who's a PhD, sort of a Jungian psychologist, traced all of the ways that cultures through history have basically raised young people. And he said it falls into six stages. Number one, there's a stage of separation. Number two, there's a visible death, a symbolic death of some kind to their childhood era. Number three, there is an impartation of wisdom, and it normally includes the tribe's story, the religious tradition, and the school's skills required to thrive within that tribe. It requires some sort of, I think one of your previous uh, guests, or maybe you who was talking about, the importance of a quest or an ordeal or a trial where inner strength and the lessons that have been used have to be proven in the real world. It requires some sort of recognition by the community of men that the process has been completed and it involves a return to serve the tribe in a role of leadership. Oh, and he said, it doesn't, it doesn't matter which society you look at, they've had a version of this. And he said, it is universal in every society that's existed as if they were given an invisible script by somebody without talking to one another. And his whole point is like, we are one of the only societies that simply no longer has that for our young people. Rollheiser goes on and says, because we don't have formal paths of initiation, we have a generation that is self-initiating. So experimentation with drugs, gangs, violence, all of these things are young people who are saying, my body and psychology is ready for development. Guide me. I do not know what to do with these energies. And so he said, self-initiation is killing more young people than any form of traditional uh, initiation did, even though we would view it as barbaric today. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I basically looked at at the Christian tradition and said, where is that universal for our young people? And I was like, it does not exist. 
Mm. There's pieces of it, you know, there's, there's chunks of it, but nobody designed a logical, inclusive, formative process. And so, and so basically that's what I try to do. I shaped it around these great movements and I put a bonus movement on the front end, which is about uh, the man's formation. Like a dad has to come to terms with his own story, strengths and brokenness in order to figure out what he wants to stop and what he wants to pass on in the life of his son. And so I, you know, I'm one of those, like I'm a problem solver, I'm entrepreneurial by design. So I just basically sat down, read all the literature, drew it out into a six-year map for my son, starting from 13 to 19, and then just took him through it. And so that's basically what it was born out of. So yeah, I draw, I hopefully draw on the best of most of these traditions. Many of the gifts that you've had on your show uh, have been influences and, and yeah. profoundly helpful in their work. But I tried to basically... What people in my church would say is one of my strength is basically synthesizing copious amounts of content yeah. and putting into usable tools. And that's what I try to do with the primal path. So yeah. it's sort of like, um, you know, uh, the way of the wild heart meets raising a modern day knight meets the, you know, man year meets a bunch of stuff all put together into one program. And so that's what it is. So I designed it out. I took my son through it with some friends. And along the way, I'd never like sort of planned to turn it into anything. I just loved my son yeah. and wanted to help him. And along the way, tons of dads were like, mate, I need help. Like, what is that? Where do you get that from? Right. So when he was um, doing, when we were hiking the Camino de Santiago, which is how we closed up our gap year, yeah. he did a gap year that we hiked across Spain together. <laughs> I sat down at the night in these um, albergues and these hostels and just wrote it out. And so at the end of it, I sort of published it. And that's that's sort of where it is right now. Oh, my gosh. There's so much here. So let's just start with you. Yes. So we, why were you overwhelmed? I, I felt that, too. I had a boy and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, my... I, I was overwhelmed because I, I didn't know how to I didn't know how to deal with it is the complexities of modern life for men. Hmm. We live in a culture where ma traditional male gifts are devalued or mocked. We live in a culture where men are viewed as a threat, not a gift. And we live in a culture where men have probably deserved those reputations through their behaviors. Yeah. And so the idea of like, you know, helping my son become like Jesus and discipling him and, and, and understanding sort of like the map of, you know, a men's interior life and then external skills and then character formation and place in culture and the church in the world. I just was like, who's done this? Yeah. Like, and so I was like, someone's got to have done some of this, but I was 22 at the time. I was like, man, I don't know. When I was a butcher working at Albertsons and in Texas and going to Bible college. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know any of that. So it just felt like an impossible task. And I knew yeah. that in my soul, I had wounds and scars and I just didn't want my son to have the same drama. He was going to have his own drama. Living as in a fallen world as a sinful person trying to, you know, uh, walk with God and, and recover his nobility. But I didn't want to give him my drama. And so oh, that's yeah. that was the, the challenge. I'm so excited, man. I So I wrote, um, uh, you and I, I just, I just mentioned the book that I wrote. And the, I wrote Father's... Um, Children inherit the land the fathers possess. That is a rewording of a psalm. Children yes. inherit the land the fathers possess. So fathers 
are not willing to go there, right? Uh, and really go there, become wholehearted, become just as much as Jesus, like God has called them to be, um, you will absolutely pass on that drama. You will absolutely pass on those struggles. And so it sounds like you're, you, this primal path is not only for your son, but it's like you can't pass on something you haven't obtained. Yeah, the first 25% of the course, which I've, all, I've now turned into a book called The Intentional Father that comes out tomorrow. Um, no way. Yeah, 25% of it is like you're going to deal with your own drama. I mean, it's Ronald Rollheiser, Catholic theologian, says yeah. whatever, whatever pain is not transformed is transmitted. Yep. And so if we don't sit with our own stories, if we don't understand the things that have formed us for good and bad, if we don't understand the blessing and curses in our stories, if we don't mine out those lessons so that we have a sort of like narratival authority from our own life and experience of walking with God to pass on, we're going to put generic wisdom, which is okay, but sometimes lacks power. And we're just going to, we're going to lecture out of other people's stories. And I think there's tremendous potency in being able to sit down and say, here's the story that I'm, that I have. Here's the story I'm passing on to you. Here's why I'm advocating these things. Here's the wounds I've experienced. Here's the pain I've experienced. Here's the blessing that I have. If, if we sharing from that kind of like process, that processed redeemed wisdom carries disproportionate authority in a young boy's life. And yeah. so to me, it was like getting that, being aware of that, codifying it into a set of usable tools, which is what I'm trying to help dads do is like come up with uh, sort of like exegete their own story with usable tools to develop their sons. So they're not just reading other people's books and using other people's devotions it was a huge part of what it is. So yeah, 25% of it is get deal with your own stuff. And I love that because I like, I, I have an amazingly high view that, that God thinks very highly of mankind in this way, or men specifically in this way. Um, he entrusts, he offers, he gives. And, and, and that's what a lot of time, the transfer piece between generations is a, is a, you're giving, you're offering, you're trusting, even though they're maybe not ready, not prepared, they don't have all the skills. And it's very much God's nature to do it that way. And, um, and so well, I, I, I agree. It's, it's the, on, the only way to make sense of human history is that God has entrusted most of it to us following him. Yeah. So this, like, this is very important theologically, because if you sort of believe in like an aggressive, particular sovereignty, you know, everything that happens is ordained in the, the decrees of God. And you just go, uh, you know what? The history of the church doesn't look like God ordained it. It <laughs> looks like we sort of bungled our way through it. Right. And I think, and that's because it's, you know, C.S. Lewis is God, God's rarely can do, God rarely chooses to do uh, on his own what he could do through others. His preferred method is empowering us to live it out. And uh, yeah, and it's, again, you feel that, like how frustrated must God be with what we're doing with his word, his kingdom, and his reputation, oh, but also how, how proud he is when we get it right. And you feel that same biblical thing when you're handing responsibility to your kids and they don't always get it right. And, and you're trusting, yeah. Yeah, and there's yeah. a sacredness. I think the thing that I'm so excited about is there is a mm. sacredness. I want the listeners to hear, there is a sacredness to what God has done in your life. Yes. And, and you have to honor that and, and, and know that God wants you to pass on something specific to your children. 
Not yes. general revelation. Yes. That was That's such right. a good point. Yeah. So at the start at the start of the course, um, I talk about five kinds of fathers, and I think if you go if you look through society, fathers fall into one of these five categories. So you've got irresponsible fathers. These are basically sperm donors. They they basically contribute to the biological, um, you know, birth of a child, and then they just fail. They do not acknowledge their role the power they have in a kid's life. Then you get ignorant fathers. They just like don't know what they are doing and they can do a lot of harm because they don't have the tools they need. Then you get inconsistent dads. And these are people like, this is Anthony Bourdain. I just watched Anthony Bourdain, the famous yeah. chef's documentary. Yeah. And there's a scene in there where, where he, he wanted to be a romanticized dad. And it was this view of a dad who always gets the big moments right and is always there, but he couldn't actually live up to his own standards oh, because yeah. his personal ambition tore him. That's an inconsistent dad. It's a man who has not come to, to full peace in his heart about his responsibilities. Then you get involved dads. And this is like the generic Christian dad. This is like goes to the games, has the sex talk, and he's taking general wisdom, which is good, and leaving a positive legacy. But I talk about the intentional father. The intentional father says, who am I? And why have you entrusted me with this specific child? And he works hard to understand and codify his unique story before God. And then he tries to figure out who his unique child is. And then he matches what God has given him with the heart of the kid that God has given him. And that to me just accelerates what it is that God wants to do in that young person's life. And I think it exponential, uh, it just like exponentializes the anointing, yes. right? I, I mean, it's not just God wants us to do something general. It's like our family, the, the, the grace that's on our family that will grow in your life started this way and can grow in this way. It's, it's, it, I love the, the um, you're using the term authority and because I, I really do believe God wants us to as dads have some authority about what we're saying it's just like hey i you know the bible says it and i think it's relatively true and i think you if you apply this you'll be better off it's just like it's weak sauce it's just not enough. Yes. <laughs> authority contains the word author you know what it means like you have a capacity to discern what god has written into your story yeah and when you when you do that work and when you steward it that way it bears a significant weight it's just, yeah, it's, it's stronger source than generic Christian weak source, which is normally like a few snippets of biblical wisdom and a verse or two from the epistles, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, I, so I saw a picture that was kind of striking on the Primal Path website, and it was you and your son carrying, uh, I'm sorry, uh, holding a document. Yes. Uh, yeah. What is that? So to finish... One of the things I advocate um, at the end, so, so the process is, is comprehensive. After there's a gap year, I basically encourage um, dads to do a pilgrimage with their sons. And the goal of that is to debrief the entire process. So at the end of that, there's a ceremony of blessing. So for Nate and I, uh, we hiked the Camino de Santiago, which is an ancient pilgrimage 500 miles across Spain. And what we're holding there is our certificate of completion of the Camino mm. de Santiago. So we went to the pilgrim's office and they recognized us. So that's now framed with our um, Camino passport up on the wall uh, at our place. So, so here, here's something I think I, I, that I was really interested in, and I think you're going to have a lot of insight into it. And that is the power of experiences uh, versus didactic teaching. 
right? So trying to transfer knowledge or wisdom or um, things that a man will need. Um, do you believe there is a higher value in one or the other, or do you have an opinion about it? You need them both. And to me, it's about timing. So I remember reading this book on discipleship and it was by somebody who could, it was a Catholic book on catechism. And um, the person who was writing the book used to be the head of the communist party in England. Wow. And he talked about how communists trained versus how Catholics trained. And he said how Catholics, so he was, he was shocked when he worked, when he walked into the Catholic church for catechesis and realized why it was so impotent in the lives of so many people. He said, here's the contrast. He said, in the Catholic church, you go in and they dump a bunch of content in your head. They give you a couple of sacraments and they say that you're a good Catholic now. He said, in the communist party, they only gave you knowledge when you needed it and wanted it. So he said, for example, they put you out on the corner holding up, selling the communist magazine and people scream at you. You're a communist. You know, you suck. You, you know what you're is um, you know, your tradition leads to oppression and all the rest of it. And then people would debate him on the street. And he said he'd have no answers. So after being on the street for three days, having people like abuse you and give you questions you can't answer, they then come back to you and say, would you like to take a course on how to respond to criticisms of, of communism? And you're like, yes, I'm ready now. You're <laughs> desperate for the knowledge because of what you've been through. Very similar to how um, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons train. So if you've ever uh, had a Jehovah's Witness knock on your door, there's the, the way they do it is like there's a trainer. They give you a little bit of content. Then you knock on the door. Um, the trainee does all the initial questions. If it gets too hard, the other guy comes in. And then they debrief. And that's not what happens. What the what Christians do is they dump all the content on a kid's head and they say, there you go. You've got it now. So to me, it's like it's how do you give them knowledge when they want it? And this actually happened with my son. We'd probably been doing our morning meetings for two years, two and a half years. And he basically came to me and he said, like, why do I have to do this? And I was like, that's a good question. And basically what I realized, which is a point that um, has been brought out sort of like in men's literature, is that men don't want a generic vision of being a good man, whatever that is, flat, passionless, drowning in responsibility. What they want is <laughs> what they want is to be good at being a man, which means they have mastered the core elements of masculinity. And so I went back to my son was like, I'm dragging him out. I'm trying to get him to do this stuff. And I think it's good. And it is good. He doesn't appreciate how good it is. And, <laughs> exactly. Um, Cause he's 15. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, he wants to sleep in, but then he says, uh, so I said, okay, let me think about it. And I came back and I said, why do you think we're doing this? And he's like, you want me to be a good man. And I remember saying to him, no, I do not want you to be a good man. And he's like, you don't. I was like, what do you think a good man is? And he basically describes like the busy, overwhelmed suburban dad with baggy khaki pants and a tucked in polo shirt who, who's like slowly drowning in every area of life. And, um, and, you know, the sad man on his way to promise keepers. And I'm not saying that it's like it, it condescendingly. So I said, I don't want you to be a good man. He goes, no. I said, I want you to be good at being a man. I said, do you want to understand how women work? Do you want to have confidence around women? Do you understand the woman's psyche? Do you want to know how to treat a woman? And he said, yes. I said, well, that's what we're doing here. I said, do you want to understand how to be wise in a culture of fools? Do you want to know how money works? Do you want to know how to use your time? Do you want to understand the complexities of life and navigate it skillfully? 
said, yes. I said, well, that's what we're doing here. I'm here to help you be good at being a man. And I'm telling you, when he understood what was about, that was about, and the majority of that was about skill acquisition. It wasn't lecture. Mm. He set his own alarm to get out of bed to come and learn about it because he realized my dad is giving me the skills I want. And so that involved, you know, you can pick your category, but that involved us basically moving to the male archetypes and doing a ton of skill development in each category. So he had confidence in those areas. So, yeah, I, I got him generally disciplined with content. But when the content desire ran out, I moved to like real world situational things and he just took off and there was no turning back all the way in through that to me. So it's like, yeah, it's timing. If you do have to lay a foundation of like theology and ethics and truth and wisdom, but it's getting the timing where they're hungry to learn on their own. And so I drew a whole thing. It's like right now, all of this knowledge is external. And my goal by the end is there's a, a, a transfer where the whole thing is internalized and you have a canon of this wisdom and you have a mind filled with skills and you have a body that can do them. And so I'm trying to get it from out here in, into you. And um, by the time it was done, it was in a pretty good spot. No, that's amazing. I'm going to tell you a story you might appreciate. So I, so we were talking about YWAM before the show started and yeah. um, my, my son, all these profits, people would come in and they'd always call my son out and be like, um, you're Native American. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, you're receiving a warrior's anointing from your Native American heritage at the same. And so this is happening over and over and over again about leadership and warrior and all this other stuff. God speaks to me. And and basically it's a longer story, but I'll just shorten it up. He basically said, my mom's Native American. My dad's not. He said, there's a, there's something for you in the Native American heritage. And I said, okay. And so then he, I spent like a year and a half researching it. Mm. And, and the Lord was just pouring out revelation after revelation of the Bible and Native American traditions and all of this stuff. And, and I remember telling my son, and I'm just, God's just kind of awakened this whole thing about being a Native American. And he goes, oh, yeah, I was getting prophecies like a year and a half before that about all this Native American stuff. And we're not like super Native American people. Like, and so I've like now driven them towards joining the tribe and in and, and, and owning that, saying yeah, there is yeah. a God inheritance in our yes. Native American background that that God is clearly wanting to pour gas on in a good way to start in a, in a spiritual fire. And I think that every man, whatever your background, Scottish, Irish, English, you know, European, whatever, there is treasures that God, I mean, there's that scripture talks about, you know, where we live, who we grew up with. I don't care how bad it was. God knows all those details and there's redemption in that. Did you find it, for your own personal story with your son, there were some redemptive things about either where you grew up or your background or anything like that that you were able to pull out? Yeah. So one of the, so I've got a few exercises in there that dads go through to basically help them. So it's not just like sit in a room and come up with your own stuff. I've got some exercises to help them think through how to like draw those lessons out. Um, one of the things I did, so I did an exercise on basically how do you find the core values of your life? which sounds trite, but I'm telling you, a lot of men think they know they don't know. And when you know, I mean, you'll get fired over these values. You'll get in a fight over these values. You'll move over these values. A lot of people think their values are their preferences, but it's a deep, 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 deep difference. Mm. So I do this whole thing on clarifying my values. And then I've got a thing called, you know, putting your son's story in context. 
And so I took my son to Australia and showed him where I grew up and showed him where these four distinct values happened in my life. So, you know, I, I became a Christian in a Pentecostal church. I took him to the church. I became a Christian. I dropped out of high school when I was 16 to work in a meat factory. I took him to the meat factory and showed him where I learned my work ethic. He got to meet my old boss. Um, when I became a Christian, I was given like a rare heart for intercessory prayer. So, you know, when I'm 17, 18, 19 years old, I go up on top of a hill and pray at four o'clock in the morning for revival in my city. I took him up on top of that hill and prayed that God would give him a vision for cities. So I basically went through and showed him all the places where these values were developed in my life. And then I had him spend some time with my grand, with my dad, his grandfather, telling our family history. I've got a cousin who's got a PhD in history who traced our family lineage down to the 10th century. And he presented to Nate a whole book, binded folder of our family, proven family history going back to the, the 10th century, gave us our family mottos. And then my son and I um, ended up, we have the same tattoo on our inner arm, which is like our final stage of our journey. So we have family mottos that go back uh, a thousand years, um, you know, which is so crazy. The name Tyson means firebrand. And um, it, yeah, our family motto is like, like the fire, you know, carry the fire, like the way. I mean, this is a family motto going back hundreds of years. So we're able to discover all of that. And then I told him, my son is actually the in our a thousand year proven lineage. He is the last Tyson male. And so I was able to say to him, a thousand years of history is hanging on your head. Not in a way to create bad expectation, but it's like, you got, you know, you got a story to carry on here. You got family values. You got a, you got a legacy here, and I'm here to support you and help you live this well. Man, so I, yeah, man, go, going back and doing all that stuff. There's more of this treasure there. There's also horror there. Digging back in, I found yeah. some horrible stuff that we had to break off and renounce, and that explained a lot of things that didn't make sense about my childhood. And so you know, there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of good. And again, you've got to damn the curses and release the blessings. Yeah, man, that is, it brings me to tears, man. That, that mm -hmm. I, I, this bringing, bringing your son to the places, the physical oh, yeah. places, like yeah. that is, that's, a, that's like the biblical memorials, you know, like these yes. rocks here, that they're, these yeah, rocks are here because of this or that. Yes. And that is, I, I love the physical, visceral nature of that. It's not yeah. concept. It's I spent money. I did this. We are going here. You're meeting these people. You're going up on the hill uh, where I prayed. I mean, that's powerful stuff, man. Yeah, I took him surfing. I was a surfer uh, in my teenage years. And, you know, just so, I mean, I've got a whole thing about how to do a trip like this and do it right because you got to have fun. I mean, you, you got to have fun on a trip. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. So, so it's all how to make it fun and how to care for your wife when you go on and making sure she has money. And when you get back, how to send her off for a day. It's sort of like getting her hair done or her nails done, whatever, to recover. But anyway, it's, it was like a pivotal moment in my son's story. So I, I, um, I filmed all of this. So I've got my son on top of that hill, writing in a journal, me laying hands on it, God, make him a man of vision. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's a legacy. And, and he'll tell you right now, he's like, I will 100% be taking my kids through the primal path. We will hike the Camino together as a family tradition to debrief our journey. It's like what the, the challenge is like some people, if you have a legacy, you have to extend it to other people in the Bible. So some people I say some people are the son of and other people are the father of. Mm. And some people are the sons of someone who gave them a legacy to carry forward. And some people have to start a new line. They have to yeah. father a new thing. 
Yeah. And you just have to figure out where you are on that continuum and lead out of that paradigm, own it, and God can do anything with an intentional father. Yeah, I call that the watershed man. Uh, mm-hmm. It's basically the man that stands between two generations and said, mm-hmm. after me, this stops. And after yeah. me, this starts. Um, yeah. You know, there was that's a, good. That's good. <laughs> and uh, there was a, a thing that I saw in, in the Bible, and we'll kind of wrap up here is about that. You know, a lot of times you can see trends where there's like secret sins in certain generations that get louder and louder and more pronounced as generations go. And so all these men that are like, ah, it's just my little compromise. What's it going to hurt? 20 years later, it's some full blown thing in the next generation, next generation. Well, I believe in the, and you can look at many godly men that have distinguished themselves, Lauren Cunningham, we were talking about him, Lauren Cunningham in a minute ago, like you talk about fourth, fifth generation men that have walked with God, their mm-hmm. fathers walked with God, their grandfathers walked with God, their great grandfathers walked with God, the uh, exponential anointing on the, on the men for four generations down it's insane. And you're like, oh, yeah. where do these people come from? They didn't just stumble out of bed and, be, and totally, have totally. such authority and callings. It's a general, like God is a generational God. He works through yes. generations. Yes. And, yeah, we have to, t- and we have to help our young, um, young people understand that too. Because part of the challenge of being young is you, you don't have the perspective of anything that's gone before you. Right. And um, I, t- I tell you what's fascinating you know, I've been a pastor in New York for um, 16 years. I've hung out with homeless people and billionaires. And I can tell you this, there's two kinds of people that carry personal stories, the poor and the ultra rich. They're the ones that carry the generational stories. The ultra rich are stewarding multi-generational wealth and privilege and the poor are handed multi-generational brokenness. And the middle class seem to have no sense of history or place. It's just here now with a bunch of entertainment. And I think there's a a lot of work to do sort of in the middle class of helping them, you know, help their kids realize they are a part of a tradition. And um, so there's just seems to be a lack of consciousness in that middle zone about any sense of history or, or past that goes with it. Or, or even a special purpose or calling or, or any of that, because yeah. especially if they lost, I mean, I love the DL Moody story. I think you mentioned your, your son with the Moody. I mean, I mean, just, there's so many great stories in the history of Christendom of men that God just said, you're the one we're starting with you. (laughs) So, Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show and kind of sharing your heart about the primal path. If people want to find out more about, I'm sure they're going to want to find out more about the primal path. Uh, Where do they go? You just go to primalpath.co primalpath.co. Again, by the time this podcast out there, I'll have a book out called The Intentional Father, and you can get that on all um, all of the regular platforms. And yeah, my, my whole vision is this is this is uh, like what I perceive to be a part of God's assignment for my life. Hmm. I want to normalize in the Christian community a formation path between adolescence into manhood for Christian boys, and we've lost it. And there's a few people swinging really hard to try and recover it. But I want to normalize that. I want it to be the most normal thing. Like, what do you mean your dad didn't design a multi-year pathway to help you move into adulthood as a healthy, godly servant? Really? Wow, I've never met people for whom that hasn't happened. I'm trying to turn that generational tribe rather than make an exception 
I want it to be normal. So there's many people doing good work and I'm just trying to sort of throw my hat in with them and strengthen that cause in the world. That's awesome. Just And just to kind of give a frame for it, the, the, the primal path and even what you lay out in the book, is it a six-year journey? I mean, how- It's, how, how, it's honestly, I, I don't think you can do it well in under a year. Uh, yeah, I um, agree I, with that 100%. Yeah, yeah I mean- it's it's however long you want it to be. It's it's a framework you can customize. You okay. can do some of it. You can do all of it. Um, it's not a daily curriculum. You know, it's like you're going to have to do some hard work here. I'm not going to raise your son for you. You know, yeah, um, yeah. but it's it's going to draw the best out of you. It's going to show you the holes and and the need for formation and growth in your own development. Um, but the thing is, you're going to have your son for the next six years. Yeah. Why not make it six years? Amen. Why why not build like a daily point of connection? Uh, that enables him, you know, to to receive your heart. So that that was my vision. While I've got him between high school and um, college, how do I just build a thing that forms him that whole time? Yeah, amen. Hey, John, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your heart. And, yes, no worries. Uh, and you know, I know I don't know you well, but well done. Thank thanks, you. Man. Thank yes, you for you building too. something like this, man. Yes, no worries. And thanks for your book too, man. I, I Love the title. I was intrigued when I saw it and I hope folks go out and pick that up too. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.